Big Fluff. Klaatu, Barata, Necktie, Nectar, Nickel, Klaatu, Barata, Curioso is someone who inquires in esoteric matters. A collector of knowledge. Curioso Podcast. Hey, Joe. Hey, Chris. Lay some skin on me, brother. <laughs> Do we actually have to shake hands? No, oh, I was geez. just... No, oh, you're like, supposed to we... high-five or oh, like okay. give me a slap. Okay. You know? That's awkward. No? Your, your hands are real clammy. Well, I, I, I recently watched, uh, what, oh, what, man, what is the one with the kids and um, yeah, go to see the dead body? Stand by me. Okay. Yeah, and they're all like, lay some skin on me, man. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was trying to do that. Because today, Joe, we are talking about skin. Yeah, and not like, that kind of skin. No, like, not skin flicks. No. 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 I mean, we, we can have an episode about that if is you that, want to. Is but, that part of Netflix? Can you get I that service? I haven't done, I think so. I haven't done any research. But we are not we are not the only people here today because we also have Mr. Joel Murphy all the way from California on the phone with us. I finally figured out how you guys feel when you do my show because I was sitting there going, It's stand by me. He's talking about stand by me, <laughs> but I didn't want to jump in. Because you hadn't introduced me yet. So I finally know how that feels. See? There you go. You right. weren't relegated to the corner. <laughs> Turnabout is fair play. <laughs> no, but it, thanks for having me, guys. I, I'm very excited. Uh, I obviously miss Baltimore, and I miss you guys. So this this makes me feel like I'm still somewhat there. So I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. In, in spirit. In spirit. Right. Yeah. You're going to have to uh, give me your address out there, and I'll send you some crab chips and uh, some burger cookies and some Old Bay. Yeah, why don't I? I'll just go ahead and give it out now over the for the show, so that way anyone wants. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, uh, we actually had you on, and, and and this is the very start of what we do every single year, the Crypt Kicker Five. Right, you said it right this time. I did. That is awesome. It only took three years. <laughs> yeah, every, every year we <laughs> we do five episodes instead of just the normal two. Uh, in the month of October, right. uh, to celebrate the uh, the Halloweeny, mm-hmm. the big and, old Halloweeny. Yeah, and Joel, we wanted to have you on because we think your skin is so supple, and mm-hmm. uh, and we'd like some of it when you pass away. Yeah, I want to wear it. <laughs> yeah, I I just want to say up front that uh, I hope that you know people do listen to this show so that when the government wonders why my recent search history is filled with like all of this you know uh skin stuff that i can be like it was for a show it was research seriously no really (laughs) (laughs) well just because you were researching it for a show doesn't mean you weren't also researching it for real life yeah for for fun (laughs) yeah i'm the I, I'm the Daniel Day-Lewis of podcasts. You know, I really <laughs> wanted to get in the headspace. 
there will be podcasts. All right, so <laughs> who do you guys want to start off with first? Well, let's start start off with what it is that we're talking about. Okay. So we're, I mean, I'm focusing more on the anthropodermic bibliopagy, mm-hmm. which that's the, the act of taking human skin and tanning it and binding books with it. Right. Or, I mean, throughout history, there have been cases where people do that with other things. Yeah. So I believe we are entitling this bound in human flesh. Right. Is, is what we're going to entitle it. Now, I want to mention uh, just up front that we are going to stay away from things like human trophies. So we are not going to be talking about uh, Vietnamese uh, ear necklaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to be talking about shrunken heads, right. uh, things like that, um, you know, teeth rings, uh, th- those kind of things. We're ma- mainly talking only about uh, things covered in dermis. Right. Are you okay with that, Joel? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Reluctantly <laughs> saying yes. Oddly enough, I am okay yeah, with I, that. I, I don't know if it's better if I'm supportive or not. I don't, I don't know what really, like, I don't want to upset you guys, clearly, because you picked this topic, so. Well, we always like to do stuff spooky for Halloween, and right. uh, I don't think that there's much spookier things than flaying human skin, mm-hmm. you know? So in the annals of many libraries over the globe, there are some known 47 or so, maybe possibly 50 books that are bound in skin or supposedly bound in human skin. Recently, in the past few years, 30 of those 47 to 50 books have actually been tested and 17 of those 30 have actually been confirmed to be human skin. And the other ones have been like pig, sheep, horse, cow skin. So you, you take a, a larger number of supposed skin books and not from the Playboy Mansion, and you've boiled them down to an actual number of real books bound in skin. Which right. is still, I mean, 17 books is a lot. Now, I have, uh, I have here that it's 18 have been confirmed. Oh, okay. And, and this is from the anthropoderbic, anthropodermic, <laughs> anthropodermic book project. Okay. Have you, have you checked out that website? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. So they actually are, they, that's all they do is they test you know, books and things for human skin. Right. I just think that's really cool. They're like, oh, we'll just get together and we'll test things for human skin. It's like a Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of beers so and testing I, I'd skin. I'd also like, I'd love to point out too, just one of them testing positive for human skin. I think like 17 might not sound like a lot, but the fact that any of them right. tested positive, I think is impressive. Like, yeah. It literally will make your skin crawl and the book skin crawl. Well, I, 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 can, I can say that with the amount uh, that I burn when I go out to, you know, the beach or something like that, like I burn, I've burnt the top of my head before, mm-hmm. and it is peeled off in like enough sheets. and sheets so much so. Wow. My bald head has peeled off in sheets so much so that I feel like I could probably bind a book with it, you know, except for it's so thin, you know what I mean? I think you really have to get a good couple layers of dermis to be able to really get, like, a good letter, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, yours, you could just do, like, I don't know, a page or a business card. Right. Yeah, maybe, yeah. like, a maybe like a small business card holder. Mm-hmm. Or you know coin, I mean? coin purse. Yeah, something like yeah. that. 
Oh, I was just gonna add, like as we're defining this and setting it up. Do do we want to take a moment to speculate on why someone would do this, or, or what the appeal is? Or obviously, that's not as research based, but that was definitely a question I had when I was researching this. Of like, what is the appeal? Okay, so some of the early references date back to you know 1600s or and even earlier, and it was. A lot of the the tomes that you would find were either judicial books, medical, even poetry, and or erotica. So they all kind of revolve around human beings, whether it was a a court case about a a murderer or something. Uh, Part of the punishment could have been just, you know, for spite almost, is that your record of what you've done will now be bound in the skin that you did those horrible crimes with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Part of it, I think, is just the the human condition of that is, it's horrible to be, you know, sentenced to death or dissected or whatever. But even in the afterlife, now you will always be known for that. Yeah. So I think, I think it... it, it <laughs> is that all you have? Yeah. No, does that I mean, does that make sense? <laughs> I think it's part of a mental, not torture, but a, a mental awareness that, your skin after you die will be used for a medical book or something. And that seems fine. That's like why we donate our bodies to science nowadays. Your, your heart will live on, you know, that, that whole thing. Did you, uh, did you come across the, the narrative life of James Allen? Do you have that in your notes? Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know if you want to talk about that now, but I, I thought that one was really fascinating. Yeah, the, go ahead. Uh, you want to talk about pr- it? Yeah, no, I, I do, because I, again, like I said, I was just trying to get into the headspace of, like, why someone might do this, and, uh, yeah, so this was, this is actually in a library in Boston, uh, this book, and it was written in 1837, it's an autobiographical work by James Allen, and uh, essentially there are other copies of the book, but the one specifically in the Boston library is his confession, his deathbed confession that he gave to the warden of the Massachusetts state prison and then bound the book in his flesh and gave it to essentially like one of his victims, a guy that he had tried to uh, rob who Mm. he had been impressed by that guy's bravery. So he decided to then entrust him with his confession bound in his own skin. Right, right. And he was, he was known as the Massachusetts highwayman. The notorious yes. robber, murderer. The the thing was, the the book, besides it being a confession and, and sort of his life story, it was also the court records, uh, the coroner records from either victims or robberies, and even Allen's own autopsy was in that book. There have been many copies of it, uh, and many copies were made when it was first published, but there's only one existing copy that has... Alan's actual skin uh, wrapping the book. Which I, I, I just wonder how the, the guy who got it reacted to that. <laughs> like, what, how do you react to, when they show up at your doorstep and go, this is his confession. This, he wanted you to have this. Right. <laughs> is that a nipple? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I want to mention, since you're, you're mentioning, mentioning uh, I, and I'm sure we'll get back to books, but mm-hmm. since you're mentioning uh, nipples, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm, I'm really going to bring it to, I'm going to bring it to someone who, uh, who I think really brought the skin and leather thing to, 
to the forefront. And okay. uh, I wanted to talk about Ed Gein. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you uh, do you know uh, do you know a lot about Ed Gein, Joel? I don't. It's interesting at this point. I'm not sure what I know about him because I know that he is the inspiration for like every horror movie that has come out. So like, I I think in my brain it's almost like I have fact and fiction all kind of mixed up together at this point. Yeah. Right. Well, there's uh there's quite a few pictures and plenty of books that have been written about him. Uh, but uh, so. <laughs> He, he, he can't be called a serial killer because a serial killer has to kill three or more people. Mm-hmm. He only actually killed two people. Right. He dug up the rest. The rest of them he dug up <laughs> uh, in a graveyard near his house. So every single time a young woman uh, passed away or any woman really passed it, away. My favorite was uh, the story about his mother where mm-hmm. he dug her body up and took parts and pieces off of her and kept certain pieces in little boxes to touch and poke and prod uh, at a later date. That's your favorite part? It's just the weirdest part. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I think that's really like his inspiration for the Seiko. Oh, Psycho. 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 Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But but they did find uh, one of the bodies of a uh, a tavern owner Mm -hmm. that he did kill. They found her decapitated in the shed totally cut uh split in half really right like completely you know like like w- way worse than uh, uh uh the guy from game of thrones you know what i mean <laughs> okay what's the, the flayers <laughs> god what are they called the flaying people yeah i don't remember the flayed man come on uh, joel help me out here y- <laughs> yeah it's uh uh bolton the, the boltons, boltons. Ramsey bolton. yeah the Mike, Ramsey. yeah the michael boltons yeah, yeah. Michael, Ramsey, and uh, and Roos, right? Bolton, yes. Yeah, all, yeah all exactly. Them. Michael being the worst. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. No, Michael is the one you should... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Him and his wife, Yanni. But, uh, I mean, I know we said we, were, we weren't going into... Uh, pause, pause break for that joke. Uh, I know we said we didn't really want to go into, like, ornaments and things like that, but, mm. I mean, he had skull caps that he used as soup bowls. Right. He had a human heart. I mean, it's... They, it's... They're not sure where it was exactly. You know, some people say it was like on a pot, you know, on the stove, and some say it was in a paper bag. But you know, there was obviously a heart there. Mm. Uh, they found a ceiling light pull cord that was made out of human lips. Oh, a pull cord? Yeah, that's a lot. Do you just stretch one pair of lips? Well, I think it was like the very end. You know, it just looked like a kiss. Uh, oh, you know how okay, there's like, always like that thing, like a Rocky it, Horror Picture Show, right? To like you know. hold it down like a plum bob. <clears throat> that was a, you know what I mean. So it yeah. goes straight down. <laughs> um, they found a mammary vest crafted of the skin of women's torsos. Wow. So a vest made out of boobs. Okay, so you remember the uh, the Mr. Burns? See my vest, see my vest, made with real <laughs> woman breasts. Something like that. <laughs> It's, you're, you're talking to Joel on that one, right? I know, yeah. I'm not a Simpsons person. <laughs> oh, come on. No, I'm... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm okay with them, but you know what I mean? Okay, so uh, they... And here's the reason why I brought it up, was because you were talking about the, the nipples on things. Yes. Uh, is that the, he had a belt made from several human nipples that were sewn together. Is this like the uh, those old 70s belts that they would put uh, beer caps on them? Exactly. Yeah, but they're, but they're you know, human headlights. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, he also had socks made from human flesh. Now, here's my question. 
did he actually flay the skin off of someone's feet mm-hmm. so they were like those toe socks? Oh, yeah. Or did he just make regular socks from human flesh? I'd say one of each. Well, that would be silly if you just had one <laughs> foot that had toe socks and the other <laughs> foot that didn't, Joe. Depends on how cold you get. <laughs> I, I guess so. I mean, I hate the feeling of my, my toes being split like that. Well, That's... S- speaking of other nipples... The Marquis de Sade, mm-hmm. you ever heard of him? I have heard of him. Okay, there's a great movie, Joel, called Quills, and it has Jeffrey, okay. Rush, Jeffrey Rush is in it, and he plays the yes. Marquis de Sade, and it's, it's a great, grotesque, pervy movie, and uh, Michael Caine and Jeffrey Rush in this period piece, Marquis de Sade wrote a book, like he did many erotica books, called Justine et Juliette. And it was also bound in the skin of a woman's breasts with the intact nipple displayed on the front cover prominently. So, and again, it was an erotic, you know, early uh, French uh, boner book with skin on it. I feel like I, I find myself like getting very impressed with the craftsmanship of these. Like all of these, like Chris alluded to, like you really... You have to have a pattern and you really have to know what you're doing and like really because you only get one shot, you know, so you really have to have a good feel for, you know, the pattern that you're making and, and really lay it out. I, I think we, we really should give them credit for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like that scene in Silence of the Lambs when Clarice figures out that Buffalo Bill is making a dress out of human skin. She sees the uh, the patterns, the, the wound patterns and realizes that it's a, a dressmaker's pattern. So you do that, you know, and but you're you're binding it to a book, which has to last a very long time. Well, when you're making a book, you just need a big square. Yeah, I know. Right? But to to affix it to some kind of cardstock and and uh, the ribbing of the you know of the book, and even embossing it with words or pictures, like that takes a lot of talent and time. Well, I mean, I would say it's a callback to our taxidermy episode. Yeah. Because basically, you know, very much like our, our taxidermy episode, when we're, when we're talking about, you know, people taking squirrels and they, mm-hmm. you know, they tan the hide and they get all the, the little bits of tissue off on the inside. Mm-hmm. They're doing the exact same thing, but they're right. just doing it with, you know, something that is a little bit more rare, I would say. Yeah. You Human know? leather. Human leather. Yeah. It's like fruit leather, <laughs> but with humans. <laughs> with, with the testing thing, let me bring this up. They use a process called peptide mass fingerprinting to identify the mammalian sources of collagen based in the said book, the, the leather. That's how you can define if it is animal of, or not just animal, we're animals, but what kind of animal it is based on the proteins and the collagens. The technique uses an enzyme that digests the extracted collagen to cut the proteins at a p- specific amino acid Did you almost say Pacific? Site. Yeah, almost. <laughs> uh, and, forming, <laughs> and they form a mixture of peptides, and that's how they can test what is human and what's not. Joe, yes. that sounded really science-y. It's kind of cool, but they, they used to use <laughs> DNA testing, like mm-hmm. flat out just straight DNA testing. And then they, uh, they developed this, and it's, uh, I think it's called PMF testing mm-hmm. for short and they also use something called MALDI M-A-L-D-I and it stands for Matrix Assisted Laser Desorption and Ionization so these are all the ways that they can test supposed human skin 
and to find out if it's real skin, which I just think it's neat that, you know, there is this whole plethora of, of ways to test this stuff and that it even exists. Yeah, because I believe there's certain books that they found uh, where they, you know, the rumor is that it is human skin and, you know, they test it and it winds up being cow or sheep right, or something right. like that. Right. And if you look at pictures, the ones that are actually have been tested and have been proven to be human skin, it some of them look like uh, like it's kind of cold and they have like goosebumps. <laughs> some look like like you can actually see the hair follicle or <laughs> or like a liver spot. So it is really really bizarre to see that uh, covering some sort of, you know, 16th century erotica. I love the idea, too, of the researchers, because, like, are they hoping that it is human flesh? <laughs> like, is that what you're rooting for if you're doing the test? You know, that's an odd position where you're, like, disappointed if it comes up not human. Well, I, I think it's also sort of in the vein of, like, Mythbusters. You know, they... It, right. Maybe there's a bunch of, uh, you know, hearsay and and you know, myths surrounding this book being somewhere and it could possibly be. So I think scientists are like, well, you know what? Let's find out definitively if it is or isn't. That way people will shut up. Yeah. I'm going to take it somewhere uh, kind of dark, uh, and that would be... We're talking about human skin. Well, this is going maybe just a little bit darker, but I, okay. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the Holocaust for a minute. So this should lighten the mood, oh, right? Sure. So, uh, so... Have you guys ever heard of the idea of things being made out of human skin having to do with the Holocaust and people taking, you know, Jews in the concentration camps mm. uh, and peeling their skin and and making things out of them? Uh, I know there are several supposed accounts of that. The real big one that I remember is uh, is hearing about uh, lampshades. Yes. You know, human skin made out of lampshades. Specifically, it came out of uh, Buchenwald. Now, there mm -hmm. was this woman named Al... I'm sorry, it's Alza Koch? Ilza, Ilza Koch? Yeah. Right? Ilsa. Ilsa, Ilsa. Koch. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I'm not, you know, I'm not good with the, Ger the German. <laughs> Duh. But uh, Ilsa Koch was known as the bitch of Buchenwald. <laughs> Yeah. Right, and she was the wife of a, a commandant, Commandant Koch, mm. who was the head of the the Buchenwald. Now, at the time when she was the, I believe she was the only woman that was actually tried during the Nuremberg trials. Mm. Okay, and uh, when she was tried, she only got something like a three three year sentence, and then eventually they gave her a full life sentence right. because of public outrage. But uh, not only did she order people to, to die and things like that. But uh, there was just so much worse stuff. But uh, they they said that there was a lot of things that had pictures taken of them, uh, mm -hmm. wallets and uh, specifically lampshades. Uh, there was a lot of people that said that she had lampshades commissioned by, by you know, Nazi officers uh, to flay the skin and create lampshades from these people's skin. Uh, now, it was never actually found no, none of the lampshades were actually found but uh there was a, a, a couple of years ago right after hurricane katrina uh there was, was a guy by the name of john kulsh uh he's a he's a reporter and he was given it to by a friend uh by a guy named skip harrison who found a lampshade uh from a guy that was trying to get rid of it after Hurricane Katrina because he was trying to sell all, the, all of his belongings. A lot mm. of people were trying to get rid of all their stuff so that they could, you know, make a little bit of cash and move elsewhere. Right. Uh, and he said, well, yeah, this is this is uh, made out of Jews. 
And the guy was like, I'm sorry, excuse me? And he was like, yeah, it's made out of juice skin. You know, and he sold it to him for $35. And he eventually said to this uh, to this reporter, and he spent a lot of time checking out the, the different... The, uh, the different pieces of it, the nylon string that actually tied it together. And mm-hmm. what's so strange about it, I, I actually watched a really great documentary. And if you have a chance, it's called Human Late Lampshade, A Holocaust Mystery. And I found it on YouTube. So I'm going to link, uh, link it into the description. But I, I don't want to go too far into it. But they, they think they found it. Uh, and I think you should watch it. It's really, really good. You know, they had discussed the, the different filaments and things like that. Mm. They basically figured out that they actually came from concentration camps, uh, like work camps, mm. uh, from different companies that that had you know people so, from concentration camps as workers, wow. basically slave labor. So they yeah. know that it you know it probably maybe came from that area, mm. but uh, during the course of the, the the movie, you actually find out whether it is a human lampshade or not. And wow. I don't want to give you the whole. I don't want to give you the ending because yeah, they want you yeah. to watch it. It's really, really good. And it's on YouTube. So why not? Yeah. yeah. I, I made a lampshade one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, not out of human skin, of course. Uh, I used... That ex- surprises me. But. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, used, <laughs> I used x-rays. Oh, I remember that lampshade. Yeah. So I made a wireframe and then I, made, I cut up x-rays to make the, the lampshade panels. So it's similar, but it's not as creepy. Just a little bit less creepy. Right. I, I'm glad there was a, a tie to Hurricane Katrina in that story, too, because I didn't think it was depressing enough. So it's good that, like, you had that, that tie at the end. <laughs> that, that I tied Hurricane Katrina and the Holocaust together? <laughs> and the Holocaust. In yeah, a, that it was all in there. You right. Know, yeah. You want to yeah. make it the saddest story possible. <laughs> exactly. So, Joel, you being out there in California, do you miss, uh, do you miss the East Coast at all? Oh, yeah. And it's only going to get worse because I feel like the more we get into fall, you know, this time of year, especially is my favorite time of year. Right. So like all the leaves changing like that, that weather, I'm going to be very it's going to be bizarre, I think. Do you uh, did you ever like you used to drive up to uh, New York a lot, right? Because you were covering, uh, you know, some football games and stuff every once in a while. Right. For your reporting. Yeah, I, I normally would probably end up in New York like two or three times a year. Yeah. So you had to drive through uh, New Jersey. Do you miss that at all? <laughs> do I miss New Jersey? <laughs> uh, I I do not miss their bizarre uh, inability to let you pump your own gas, which I always seem to forget about. Yeah. And then they, you know, there's like, a, they, it always throws me off because I never remember it. And then there's just a guy there that's like, there, oh, I'll do that. There's There's two things you can't do in New Jersey. Uh, you well three. I would I would say three things you can't do in New Jersey. You can't pump your own gas. You can't make a left hand turn because you have to take some right. weird roundabout. And uh, and you can't kill people. What? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a mm. thing. Uh, because this guy, uh, <laughs> his name was uh, Antoine LeBlanc. Uh, he was a, a migrant worker, hmm. right? And this was in 1883. He uh, he worked for Samuel Sayer of Morristown, New Jersey. And he, he, I, I have this great, uh, have you ever heard of Weird New Jersey? They're like a periodical and they come out with weird stuff in New Jersey and all that. Right. This is an article from there that I read. And uh, basically this guy, he worked for Sire and he kept on getting more pissed off and more pissed off over, you know, two or three years. But instead of just quitting and going somewhere else, he decided that he was going to kill him. 
Okay, he was going to kill Mr. Yeah. Sayer, his, his boss. Yeah, yeah, sure. Which is, you know, something that we can all feel mm-hmm. every once in a while, wanting to kill your boss, right? Yeah, of course. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so what he did was he went out to the horse barn, and uh, and he yelled and screamed that something was wrong with the horses till Mr. Sayer came in. Uh, and at that point, uh, Mr. LeBlanc uh, decided to bludgeon his face with a shovel. A shovel? Yeah. Bludgeoned mm. his face with a shovel. And then he kept on screaming until uh, Mr. Sayer's wife came in and then uh, decided to kick her in the head until dead. Wow. At that point, he decided to take both of the bodies and hide them under a pile of manure. Uh, Manure? Manure. (laughs) Manure. It's not a French word. It's manure. Yeah, manure. (laughs) Okay. He hid them under a pile of manure. 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 Minerva. (laughs) I actually do say it, manure. I know. That's how, I, that's how it comes out of my face. It's not my fault. I don't even know if that's a Baltimore thing or not. Uh, and then they, he went upstairs to the second floor and killed their small little girl. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, it's awful. Uh, he was actually, he took a pillowcase, shoved all of their belongings into it, and then rode out on one of the horses in the middle of the night. He was found uh, later on the next day at a place called the Mosquito, which was a, a little bar called hmm. the Mosquito. I wouldn't go to a bar called the Mosquito. Now, was it spelled Mosquito? No. No, it wasn't Mosquito. <laughs> it was a, the Mosquito. Oh, a Mosquito. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So he was found at a bar there. Uh, the reason why he was found, because his pillowcase apparently either had a hole in it, or he was so drunk from the night before when he killed his boss that he dropped a few of their belongings along the road. Oh, no. A family friend had been, I was, I was going to say driving his horse. But <laughs> I guess it is technically driving his horse. <laughs> yeah. But he was riding his horse, and he saw like a locket on the ground, picked it up, and he saw it had Mr. Sayer's uh, engraving on it. Oh, so he wow. thought it was strange. So he got a hold of the police uh, because he thought that there was a robbery. Uh, they had a mob together. They went to the Sayer farm and found out everyone was dead. Wow. Found, yeah, found all, all their bodies and then chased the man to to the Mosquito, uh, where they promptly within, I believe, about three months, uh, hung him. And uh, upon hanging him, uh, they also cut pieces off of his body. Hmm. Uh, and one of those pieces eventually turned into a wallet. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, of course, what's what's really weird is that I find with uh, with these mass murderers, these people that kill, you know, uh, lots, either lots of people or serial killers who kill people over a long period of time. Mm. They always give them death masks as well, uh, especially in the early, you know, 1800s, like seventeen hundreds, eighteen hundreds. They give them death masks, right? So you always have like a death mask as long as, as well as like, uh, you know, their confession bound in a book, right? With it, their skin, it's some sort know? of momentum of of the crime. Memento. Mm-hmm. Did I say memento? You said momentum. Oh, mementos. That's okay. So it is in a uh, museum in Morristown, New Jersey, and uh, I'll be posting the article up on the up on the webpage along with it. Because I mean, how cool is it to have a wallet made out of human flesh? That's kind of neat. From 1830. Right. Right. I was just gonna say. I remember when I was in high school, the cool thing to have. Uh, a lot of my friends did this, and they made me one. Was. Uh, We'd make wallets out of duct tape, which was the cool thing to have. So I, I thought that was the height of it was, you know, we, we used to have duct tape wallets. But I think this might actually, it's a little more street cred. <laughs> you, you might go a little <laughs> further. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, it's a little cuz we thought duct tape made made it seem badass, you know, that you had this very like DIY wallet, but I think yeah, I I it, I don't think we went far enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean really, if you would have just peeled the skin off of a you know, mass murderer. Right, right. Now, now let me ask you this, Joel. That'll impress a lady when you go out to dinner. Yeah. Did you have a chain for your <laughs> duct? Did you have a chain for your duct tape wallet? You know, I, I didn't. I w- wish I could pretend that I never owned a chain wallet as well, but that <laughs> <laughs> I never combined the two. Thankfully. <laughs> All right. I found one from the 15th century. It was a guy named Jan Ziska. Or Jan Z. Torunknovia, uh, was his real full name, and he led an uprising against the Catholic Church, as you do, after losing both of his eyes in battle and lying on his deathbed from the plague uh, before, before they were supposed to lead a march in Bohemia. He ordered his men to flay his body after death and use his skin to cover the war drums in order to continue terrifying the enemy. And they did that. They, they, they used, took his skin. Yes. And stretched it out over drums. Mm-hmm. And they used his, his human skin as the war drum. Yes. Kind of badass. I that, mean, oh. that is so badass. Like, seriously. <laughs> because, number one, that's just great. But also, like... I feel like if you're in, you know, his army, that's going to pump you up. Like that yeah. he's that hardcore. You you really are going to have that extra edge. Yeah, it's like a goddamn Iron Maiden song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. I I would be surprised if there wasn't a, you know, a metal song written about this guy. And yeah. if there isn't, come on metal fan community, why haven't you written a song about this? Hey listeners, how many times has this happened to you you're scrolling through your itunes podcast list and all you see are all these shows with structure and formats and complicated setups why i just want to listen to a podcast i can't choose from all these complicated structures and setups you want to listen not think that's why there's Hobo Radio. Hobo Radio, a podcast with two guys just shooting the breeze. Oh, this doesn't take any intellectual thinking at all. Thanks, Hobo Radio. You'll feel like the smartest guy in the room in a room by yourself. Hobo Radio, a weekly podcast on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network. So I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Joel. When you were here, uh, when you were on this side of the country, on the on the right side of the country, did you ever go to the <laughs> the right side of the country? Well, the right side. <laughs> Do you mean correct? No, like right side and left side. Okay, okay, sorry. Yeah, he's on the left side, the west coast. Gotcha. You have the left coast and uh, the right coast. Left coast and the other coast. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, when you were on this side of the of the United States of America, did you ever go to Philadelphia and go to the Mütter Museum? Uh, I've been to Philadelphia, but no, I, I never went to the museum. No, you just you just went and got a cheesesteak, and you decided you were going to end end your Philadelphia trip. That was it. No, he would do the the rocky stair climb thing, and then he'd roll out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> no. Joe gets it. Yeah. You you run to the top. You pump your fists up in the air, and then you head back. Yeah. Exactly. With a cheesesteak in the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
All right, no more. No more. We're going to owe somebody money. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so, um, okay, so the Mutter Museum is one of my favorite museums. It's it's in Philadelphia, and, uh, I mean, if you've never been, you definitely need to. Now, uh, Joe and Dana and I have been several times, mm-hmm. um, uh, but uh, the, the couple of times that we've gone, I don't think we ever saw these because I don't think they're on display. Right. But they do have them in the back, and they do absolutely have three books. Now, they, they think they have five but they have three that have been confirmed to be bound in human flesh. And they're bound in human flesh uh, from a woman by the name of Mary Lynch. She was admitted to the old Blockley Philadelphia Almshouse, uh, officially known as the Philadelphia General Hospital. Uh, And the reason why is she had uh, the... Not the vapors. What is it called? Consumption. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So she had... Oh. She had the Burks. The Taburks. (laughs) The Taburks. The tuberculosis. Natch. The tuberks. <laughs> but uh, at the time when she was there, she would have, uh, you know, she had tuberculosis of the lungs. She had friends and family members. They kept on coming up and they would bring her cold cuts to eat while she was there. And uh, the problem is, is that when uh, they, they would bring up these cold cuts, one of them wound up being tainted with Trichinellia spiralis, which is a parasitic roundworm mm-hmm. found only in pigs. Yep. So not only did she have tuberculosis, she had trichinellia as well. So she had uh, she had stomach worms. Yeah. So she had <laughs> she had worms and 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 tuberculosis at the same time. Wow. Uh, so basically, she wound up losing so much weight uh, before she died because she couldn't hold anything down. Uh, she couldn't get any nutrients because of these worms. And eventually, she passed away. Now, when she was passed away, there was a Dr. John Stockton Howe. Uh, he was a, a medical doctor that treated her. He was only 23 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a resident physician there. Uh, and he had many interests and uh, one of them was uh, about trichinosis. So he, that's why he was there to treat her. Uh, and he spent uh, about six months with her but, until she died Saturday, January 16th of 1869. And because of the wasting nature of both tuberculosis and trichinosis, even though she was five foot two inches tall, she weighed only 60 pounds when she wow. passed. Wow. Which means she was light. Yeah. I mean, she was just skin and bones at that point. <laughs> right. And since she was skin and bones, uh, he decided to just go ahead and take her skin. <laughs> nice. She was buried in a uh, in a pauper's grave uh, somewhere around the property, even though no specific dates were, were for that. He did take uh, at some point before her death, before her burial and after her death, he decided to autopsy her and take her skin, uh, and he wound up binding three books with it. Now, all three are, there, there's a lot of it is in French, so mm. I'm not even going to try. Uh, but the, one of them is the speculations on the mode and appearance of impregnation in the human female, published in 1789. Wow. Uh, and there were two written in French that I'm not even going give to a, give a try to, but uh, there were two French books. Now, he bound basically not the whole book, but just the spine in mm. her flesh. Now, these have been tested. Uh, and they are definitely human flesh. So there are three three books bound in human flesh at the Mutter Museum. And Mutter Museum, if you're listening, and we know you are, put those out. We want to see them. <laughs> so that's a is it? They're, so they're mostly medical books, right? All three medical books. Yeah, I mean, and you and, go, and all three about 
basically human impregnation mm -hmm. and women's health. Okay, nice. And yeah. I mean, there's other examples. 1543, there was a book written by Andre Vallus, and it is entitled De Humani Corpus Fabrica Libra Septum, On the Fabric of the Human Body in Seven Books. So one of these books, out of those seven, was actually bound in human skin, and it was an anatomy book. See, that makes perfect sense to me. Right. It's like you're, you're studying where the scrotum is, and look, there's a scrotum on the outside of the book. Oh, man, it's just going to look like an elbow skin. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's interactive learning. You're, you're trying to, to bring the lessons, you know, into the real world. Yeah, exactly. And if, if I know anything about scrotums... <laughs> You really only need probably Go on. You really probably only need one to bind all six of those books. <laughs> right. Or you know what yeah. I mean? Because those things stretch so far. Oh yeah, it's like bat wings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if it, if it's a if it's a hot day, you can get 10, 12 books. Oh yeah. Easy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. You just put that thing in a hot tub. Well, I, you know, the the three books about the Mutter Museum, I actually found out one of the things that they they think uh, how he tanned the hide. Mm. Uh, he, he had written in one of the books that he had tanned the hide in a bedpan in the basement of the, of the, uh, of the Philadelphia General Hospital at mm. the time. And the reason why, they think he, he used, uh, which there was an abundance of urine at the time, ah. and he actually used urine to, to take in and tan the leather. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so it made it hard and thick and, you know, because it, it has properties and able to do that. Um, there's also, I found another one where a guy had made a pair of shoes and mm. I didn't do a whole lot of research on it, but they said he basically used a uh, dog poop at the time. Uh, <laughs> and he mixed dog poop and water and he, that's how they tanned hides at the time because uh -huh. it has like a lot of urea. Yeah. So it helps you get, you know, all of the, the stuff off the back. Now, all of the, the the sinew, the tissue, it gets it all off of the you know the actual leather. Now, right. if if we remember and recall from our episode about taxidermy mm -hmm. with Robert Mulberry, he had discussed something called brain tanning, mm -hmm. and I found it extremely gross. But uh, they actually took the brain of the you know the squirrel or the tiny animal, and they would smash it all up, and they would use that to put on the back to help get. All of the the sinew off the back of the the you know the squirrels right because it, it skin contains the right amount of enzymes to cure it right basically. and and to and to get all the the junk off right yeah so gross yeah I'll stick with the pee and the poop instead yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean it's the worst you know water sports video you you've ever seen but you know I'll take that over the the brain tanning so uh, have you guys ever heard of Big Nose George <laughs> mm, I no. have. No, no. He has a pretty big nose, and again, this is one of those uh, one of those stories that has the the death mask in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, Big Nose George was a, a horse thief, uh, a wrangler, uh, and uh, he was a he he was in Montana at the time, uh, but I believe it was actually in Rawings, Wyoming, that he eventually wound up uh, meeting his match. He was also known as George Francis Warden, George the Parrot. Or Big Nose George. He was a horse thief, a train robber, and he had a botched holdup where his gang killed a couple of lawmen and they fled Montana. Uh, and if he would have kept his mouth shut, and he wouldn't have got caught because apparently he was very a very big braggart. Mm. Uh, he had a lot of bragging uh, going along with his 
gigantic nose. Gotcha. Uh, he was hauled back to Rawlings and sentenced uh, to hang for his crimes, and, but he was lynched by an impatient mob. He apparently clung to the telegraph pole to try and save his neck, but eventually gravity dragged him down and he choked to death in his struggles. Uh, now, with the noose rubbing up against his ears, apparently, so hard that uh, he eventually, his ears completely came off. Oh, wow. Yeah, so in his death mask, uh, his death mask has no ears to speak of because they were rubbed off in the hanging. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty gross, huh? Yeah, it yeah. seems kind of horrible. I thought you, I really thought you were going to say his nose. I thought it was going to be his nose. That yeah, me too. Yeah, the... and that's yeah. the kicker. You would think so, but uh, no, there's more about his nose. Uh, when they hung him, or rather when they buried him in the coffin, his nose was so large that it interfered with the lid of the coffin. What? And excess pressure had to be <laughs> exerted to close it to nail it down. No. So, so his nose actually... Yeah, it was so big that they couldn't get the coffin closed on it, and they had to basically break his nose post mortem. Oh wow! To, to nail it. So, but it wasn't nailed down for long. There was actually two local doctors, Thomas McGee and John Osborne, both of them not really liking him. Doctor uh, Osborne had personal reasons be- <laughs> that uh, he was on a train when Big No Big George. Big Nose George had delayed the train uh, because uh, he was robbing it, and he wound up missing a party, so he didn't really like Big Nose George. Hmm. Uh, Dr. McGee wanted to study the criminal brain because his wife was criminally insane uh, from a couple of horseback riding accidents, and he was hoping that he could try and help his wife. Hmm. So they got together, and they basically dug up Big Nose George and uh, took his brain took his body, and they peeled the skin off his chest and thighs. They made it into a doctor's bag, a coin purse, and a pair of shoes. Now, the pair of shoes were actually given to, uh, they were actually used, uh, now, part of it were Big Nose George's shoes at the time. Okay. Okay? However, the front part, where the toe is, those were torn off and replaced with Big Nose George's actual skin. So, like, wingtips? Right. And they look very much like wingtips. Interesting. Yeah. I'm sorry, Joe. I wanted to show you the picture here. Joel, you're out of luck, man. <laughs> so oh, you man. see how the front <laughs> is very tan and the back is very dark. Oh, a dark yeah, brown. yeah. So, um, so like the back was George's actual shoes and the front was George himself. Nice. So uh, now apparently uh, Dr. Osborne uh, eventually went on to become the Democratic governor of the state of Wyoming and he wore those shoes to his inauguration. He was very proud of them. And uh, you could see, like, the, the soles were very, very worn. So mm. uh, uh, they weren't just doctors. They eventually became, you know, pretty big time in Wyoming mm. and, uh, and still wore shoes. And they are in a, uh, in a museum in Rawlings, Wyoming, to this day. And you can go and see Big Nose George's shoes and his death mask and his giant parrot nose. <laughs> nice. Without ears. I feel like they got distracted in this goal to study his brain to, to help the guy's wife. I, I feel like I didn't hear a lot about that at the end of the story. That that, that goal seemed to go askew somewhere. <laughs> well, the, a lot of people, they would, uh, you know, when someone would die who was criminally insane, they would they would try to use something uh, like, they would try to use something called phrenology. Do you know what phrenology is? Yeah, that's where you study the bumps. Right, the, the bumps. And you would say, well, this person has criminal tendencies and this bump is, you know, says that they are, you know, violent. And this bump mm-hmm. says that they have no compassion. And they would, you know, use this fake 
fucking study about, you know, these bumps. And you, <laughs> and, and you can still find, like, phrenology skulls to this day. In fact, I think Joe got me one, like, three or four years ago for, for Christmas one time. Mm-hmm. I have a phrenology, you know, head made out of porcelain. Yeah. Where it tells you all the bumps. Have you ever tried it, like, with your head? Do you ever rub your head against... I haven't, the... but it would be pretty easy since I'm bald. You, I mean, you don't, you wouldn't even have to, like, feel it down. You would just be able to look at it. Right. Just put some <laughs> oil on it and just rub it. And just rub it down. Do you want to try it? Are you coming back here, you know, for Christmas or yeah, anything? Yeah, I could... Well, well, yeah, some of those guides, too, don't they have marked off the different sections? We could actually, actually do that on your head. You know, oh, yeah. I thought about doing like that for Halloween one year. <laughs> Being a, a phrenology skull for Halloween, but it takes a lot of makeup. That would work. be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I say at this point, gentlemen, that maybe we start getting a little bit into pop culture. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what's your your favorite uh, skin flick? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. What's funny is I've been doing a lot of research about this recently, and mm. uh, there's this thing called Pornhub. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think my favorite is probably the Evil Dead movies, because they reference an H.P. Lovecraft creation called the Necronomicon. Necronomicon. <laughs> Have you ever been to the Necrocomicon? Uh, it's no, like a horror-themed comic book convention. Really? Yeah, it's called the Necrocomicon. I think it's in, like... Tennessee or something like that. Don't mm. quote me on that. But okay. uh, I'd always want I've always wanted to go to that. Joel, what do you uh when did you ever see the Evil Dead movies? I just always kind of remember them. I, I don't remember the first time I saw them, but uh no, I I always loved the Evil Dead movies and obviously I'm a big Bruce Campbell fan. Yeah. In general and going like I mean, when you say Osborne, it just makes me think of Sam Raimi anyway. So mm. all of this has just felt very Sam Raimi. Yeah, I I love them, especially like Evil Dead 2. I kind of feel like they really found that like campy mix to it, you know, the right balance of it versus the first one was a little bit more serious. Yeah, a bit more college film production and and a bit more serious. And then Evil Dead 2 with the bigger budget, they were able to sort of play all up the campy and the horror and the goofiness. I was just going to say, I know there's a show now uh, on cable that they like Ash versus the evil dead. I haven't actually seen it, but I know Bruce Campbell is doing some kind of, is it on like Showtime? Maybe I don't, I'm not even sure what network it's on. Are you talking Ash versus evil dead? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's on like uh stars or something like that. Stars. stars. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's, um, I... it's basically a continuation. Uh, it's, they don't necessarily reference, because of some weird litigation, they don't actually reference the third movie. Uh, Army of Darkness? Army of Darkness. Yeah. But it basically starts after Army of Darkness, where he's back working at, like, S-Mart or Sweet. whatever. And, uh, and uh, what's her name? Xena is on it. Um, Lucy, Lucy Lawless. Lawless. Yeah. Yeah, so she's on it, and she's, like, tracking him down, and she winds up being some sort of demon hunter uh, and you know she's coming after him. They're, I mean, it's really good. It's I, I I watched it. I I actually have the Netflix disc, you mm. know, option. So I got all of them, and I and I watched all like ten episodes back to back. I thought it was I thought it was really good. It was definitely nice and campy. You know what I mean? And uh, even yeah. though he's he's older, you know what I mean? Uh, I think he pulls off the action scenes. Oh yeah, it's, I mean it's, I mean he still pulled it off in in Bubba Hotep. Right, you know, right. even being older. Oh God! <laughs> oh, was was that it? <laughs> it just, but I just, I love Bubba Hotep. Yeah, yeah. I, I just had a moment of like remembering how much I love Bubba Hotep. <laughs> yeah, I've got the director's edition with the the little uh, Elvis jacket over the 
the DVD cover and everything. It's great. I just saw, and he always just pops up in movies out of nowhere, you know what I mean? Mm. But I just saw, uh, today I was watching a, you know, TV with Sam while we were eating lunch, and uh, Sky High came on, and he plays like the gym teacher. Where <laughs> okay. he, yeah, he just, so he, you know, uh, Bruce Campbell just plays the gym teacher where he's like, a, you know, an old washed up superhero that trains the young kids and is he as like, superheroes. Like he, he has a big mouth where he like, uh, you know, like, um, like Black Canary with the Sonic kind of thing where oh, he like, but gotcha. he's called like Sonic Boom or something, but he's all washed up. So now he's just a gym teacher or so whatever, which he, is like, he, it's always no respect, right? Yeah, it's always yeah. like, <laughs> he always has like the, the Rodney Dangerfield kind of thing going yeah, on. Yeah. He's like, but there's no like, yo, she bitch. It is kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he's just like a big blowhard, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it's, it's, yeah, Sky High was really good. I really liked him in that. But uh, there was no, uh, there was no, you know, Book of, of the Evil Dead in that one. You know what I mean? So, now, didn't they come out with an actual uh, Necronomicon book with the with the whole thing? Fa- I mean, we should probably talk about the Necronomicon, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously, it was an H.P. Lovecraft uh, creation, creation yes. right? Uh, it was put out by, what, what's what's the guy's name? The Mad Alhazred? Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? Yeah. You're not going to elaborate on that no, one? That's, that's, what, that's what he called himself, the Mad Monk. The Mad Monk, that's yeah. what he was, yeah. El Hazred, and mm-hmm. he, yeah, he wrote it. Uh, apparently, at the time, he was possessed by, by demons when mm-hmm. he wrote it. Uh, he, of course, bound it in human skin and wrote it in, in the human blood. Human blood. Yeah. Uh, of course, picked up, you know, by our favorite franchise, The Evil Dead, but it showed up in lots of other... Lots yeah. of other movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that was a thing that, I mean, in our Lovecraft episode, we talked about he basically, uh, him and his other writer friends, it was, here's a creation that you can use in any story that you want. And it's just, it's a fictional book, but you can kind of plop it into any sort of narrative, and it can become the, you know, the deus ex machina, or it can become the MacGuffin or whatever. And uh, it's just, it's a neat idea. That yeah. everybody uses it. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. He sort of like passed it along. Like, here you guys go. Here's a, here's a creation. Go with it. Run with it. And people have. It's, it's shown up in, you know, modern books and modern movies. And the classic line, Klaatu uh, Barata Nikto, mm-hmm. that actually comes from The Day the Earth Stood Still. Right. So, you know, Raimi used that for his Evil Dead movies. As another homage. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you can just kind of, you know, pull and pick different parts and pieces just like Lovecraft said to, to sort of fill out your world that you're trying to create. I love the the first time I ever heard of the Necronomicon was actually the Simpsons Halloween special oh, where yeah. they get it from the library. And that's how, because, and I didn't even know the Evil Dead stuff at the time, but when they, Bart and Lisa, that's how they make all the zombies show up. Yeah. Is they find the Necronomicon. Flanders wasn't a zombie. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> We had mentioned Ed Gein earlier and his nipple belt uh, and his <laughs> nipple vest uh, right. and uh, and a few other assor- assorted things uh, that he had around the house, mm-hmm. you know. So it's, 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 what is it when, you're, when they say your mama lays around the house, she really lays around the house, but in pieces. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I just real quick, because I, I forgot to mention it before, but I thought there was a, a really great irony to him, which was that uh, when he died... People kept showing up to his grave and stealing parts of the marker, which I thought was just pretty ironic that, like, 
his grave marker is actually gone now because grave robbers kept showing up and taking it. Right. Exactly. That is a pretty good piece of irony right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so he was uh, obviously crazy and not afraid of uh, the, the human body. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because of, uh, you know, the dastardly and gross things uh, and body parts they found in and around his house, there were several movies that were based on him. Inspired by. Inspired by. And, of yeah. course, I would say probably the first one being Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, Gein mm-hmm. had he had such a uh, bizarre uh, fascination with his own mother uh, when she passed away uh, would be the inspiration uh, for that, right? Yeah. No, definitely. And then yeah. you go... Boy, boy's best friend is his mother. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go to... Uh, the original Toby Hooper Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. and he was also a big part of the inspiration for that film. And you can even see it in when they walk into the the house, where I think there is a lampshade in one quick cutscene where it looks like it's made out of skin. Right. Not human skin, maybe, but some kind of skin. And well, there's there's like a chair that's made out of bones. There are a a lot of references in that first. Texas Chainsaw Massacre film to some of the crimes that that Gein perpetrated. And then Leatherface had, wasn't it his face is made of human skin? Yeah, yeah. He had a face on top of this face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, also the inspiration for the Nick Cage, John Travolta movie Face Off, obviously. <laughs> of course, with, with the grave robbing and the, you know, hit her again, Grandpa, hit yeah. her again. How could we not, how could we talk about Bound in Human Flesh and not talk about the movie Face Off? Because it's not. I'm so glad you right, brought exactly. it up, Joel. <laughs> well, you know, any excuse to bring up Nick Cage, I'm always. Oh, I thought you were you. coming at it from the John Travolta angle. <laughs> But I, I like it in all of those, though, too, like with uh, Leatherface and with uh, Psycho, they sort of, I guess, explored the idea that this was a transformation thing. Like uh, with Bates, he was like becoming his mother. And with Leatherface, the, like he took on the identity like when he wore the mask and stuff. So I, I think that's an interesting twist on the human flesh thing of the idea of like it as a costume Right, you know, where you you become the person you're wearing. Right, it's I mean it, it dates back to you know the the Vikings when they would put on bear skins and wolf skins and attack other tribes. You know, and that's where we get the word berserker. Do you want to fucking suck berserker? Exactly. <laughs> but it's it's becoming a different person or a different creature by just putting on their their skin. I feel like we also, I think we mentioned him briefly before, but I i am always a fan of just the bizarre creepiness of Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, exactly. Sure, you can use my phone. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead, Joe. I know you oh, have do, more. Do you I know you've do? got more. Just keep, on, just keep on rolling with it. Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. I'd fuck me so hard. Do the one where she comes... <laughs> Do the one where she comes to the door. Wait, was she a great big fan person? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, um, yeah, I would definitely say that uh, that uh, Buffalo Bill would be... Uh, I mean, so basically, during the, the story, he would find larger women that had nice skin. Was she Rami? <laughs> and then, of course, throw them in the pit with some lotion. Right. 
and uh, and wait till they were starved and way skinnier, and then he would use the skin mm-hmm. to make a skin suit. Right, right. Precious, precious. So they, uh, he would, <laughs> he would transform. Right. Yeah, exactly. He, he wanted a, to transform a, a, from from caterpillar to chrysalis to butterfly. Right. That was the whole transformation for for Buffalo Bill, and I I could not watch anything with with him in it. Ted Levine. After that movie, well, he, he was in Monk. Yeah, I, I had. Well, that was the weirdest thing. I had that experience where I watched probably a season of Monk, <laughs> not realizing it was the same guy. Right. And then, like, he did something, or like there was some way that he said a line or something, and all of a sudden it clicked in my brain, and I could never look at him the same way on that show. Yeah, I kept thinking he was going to, like, trap Monk in a van and, like, take his skin. He's like, oh, wait, Monk, can you help yeah. me get this uh, couch in the back of my van? You know, and then just, like, bludgeon <laughs> which, him and then steal his skin. Which, for Monk, too, I mean, it, that would be terrible for anyone, but all of the germs and everything involved, you know, it just was extra torture for him. Oh, yeah. Just the, yeah. You know, being how stuck un- at the bottom of Unhygienic it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just that, that, yeah, the well is not clean, you yeah. know, and, and he's probably got questions about the lotion and, oh, yeah. you know, who is else it, has used it. Mm-hmm. Is it hypoallergenic? Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. This is lotion hypoallergenic. Oh, my God. Put the, put the lotion on your skin, Monk. Put the lotion on your skin. <laughs> put the fucking lotion on your skin, Monk. <laughs> All right, Joel. So I think uh, I think we're kind of coming to the end here. But um, I, I think we... Did we get it? Did we get it? I think we got it. <laughs> I think we're good. I think, I think, uh, I think that's... Um, I mean, I think we got below the surface of the skin... Really down deep, <laughs> right? Right. You know. Did. So, but uh, hey, Joel, um, you. I think we have a little time left. Do you want to do a Mad Lib? <laughs> do you Do you have a a Mad Lib ready? I've, I've got a Mad Lib. To... I stole one from my son. Uh, this is cat. <laughs> this is cat libs. Do you want to do a cat lib? Okay. Having sure. nothing to do with human skin at all. Uh, you said you didn't have any Halloween Mad Libs or anything. So. I stole my son's cat Mad Libs. And let's just keep in mind that this is having to do with uh, uh, human skin and binding things in human flesh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's try to go along those veins if we can. With that theme? Right. Okay. So, Joel, give me a, an adjective. Uh, uh, sticky. Sticky. Joe, uh, give me a plural noun. Hmm. Nipples. Nipples. Okay. Uh, I have an adverb. Which is an adverb? It, it describes a verb, so it's, and it's probably going to end in L-Y. Right. Okay, so um, I'm going to go with, um, oh, I was going to say supple, supply. <laughs> As in Ethan Supply, the, uh, supply. the actor from the Kevin Smith movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, Joel, give me a noun. Noun, I'm going to say Necronomicon. Oh, nice. Keeping with the theme. <laughs> oh, Joe, part of the body. Oh, shit. <laughs> Let's go with Joel's favorite and no, is it your favorite or Lars's? A uh, dong. Let's go dong. <laughs> you, we have a we'll part of the body, Lars's and you're favorite. not gonna go skin. You're gonna go dong. Well, you can use dong skin. <laughs> dong skin. There's a whole prof- <laughs> there's a whole profession out there just to collect dong skin. They're called moils. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but if you rub it hard enough, it turns into a suitcase. Right. Joel, give me a verb ending in ing. Flaying. What? Be flaying. Flay, flaying. You said ing. Flaying. Right, <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Um, yes. An adjective. 
I am going to say bloody. Mm. We back to Joe? Or we're oh, Joe? yeah, no, I mean, yes. Yeah, go ahead, Joe. Part of the body. Oh, oh you got part of the body again. Oh, let's go buttholes. Butthole. <laughs> Singular. Just one big old stinky butthole on the spine of your book. Butthole. Okay, uh, Joel, give me a silly word. A uh, silly word. I'm going to say pube. C-U-B-B? No, pube. Pube. P-U-B-E. Pube. Right. That brings it to me. That's a noun. And I'm going to go with big nose. Mm. Okay, uh, Joe, an adverb. Well, this is really long. Uh, let's go <laughs> stinkily. Give me an animal, Joel. Animal. Um, I am going to go with tit mouse. Tit mouse. Nice. As we all know, is not a mouse, is actually a bird. With well, giant boobs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to go, all right, so I have adjective, and uh, at the end there, uh, an adjective describing something, right? So, uh, dead. I'm going to go with dead. Nice. Okay. Solid. All right. You guys ready? Yeah. Here we we go. There is a flip side to all those sticky expressions of love. (laughs) Headbutting. Beware. Your cat is not showing you that it trusts you. It's telling you that your nipples are numbered. (laughs) Powerful purrs. This is not a sign of true love. It's supply a battle cry. Love bites, not actually a necronomicon of love, but your cat tasting you to decide which bite of you it wants to eat first. Dong skin, please. <laughs> yes! Tail twitching, the equivalent of your cat flaying a sword at you. <laughs> Tummy up, do not fall for this bloody trick. As soon as you put your butthole near your cat's belly, it will scratch the pube out of you. Kneading. This is not a big nose of affection. Your cat is stinkily checking your organs for weakness. Gifts. A dead titmouse is not a gift. It's a dead. Oh, well, that last one was kind of a bust. Yeah. You, you screwed the pooch on that one. No, I think uh, I think the 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 the, the uh, M- MVP for that one was the dong skin, please. Yes, dong skin, please. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Joel. Well, thank you so much for uh, for joining up with us, man. It was so good to have a uh, half a yeah. hobo radio. No, I, yeah, I am always uh, love to do this, and I want to thank you guys for inspiring me for my next uh, piece of fan fiction that I'm going to start working on, which is Necronomicon of Love. Sweet. You got that one too. Good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. And uh, and if you haven't checked it out, make sure you check out Hobo Radio and HoboTrashCan.com. Uh, Joel, is there anything else you want to plug? Well, obviously we should plug, I guess, the Peak Sloth Podcast Network. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot on. to mention that we yeah. are all a part of Peak Sloth. Uh, that would be PeakSloth.com. Uh, we are all uh, sloth heads. Is that a thing? Did I just make that up? Sure. Okay. Sloth heads? I like it. Dong skin, please. Dong skin, please. <laughs> All right, Joel. Well, uh, you know what they say about California. Don't stay out there so long you get too soft, man. 
I think they did that in the graduation <laughs> song in 1994 or something like that. Also, just so I'm clear, you you asked for my address before. You're not sending me a book bound in human flesh, are you? Just part, just the spine of it. Jeez. I mean, Calm it's down. not the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, really. It only has like one nipple in the front. Yeah, seriously. Oh, no, okay. But really, I oh, do. Then... I do actually have a shrunken head. I could send you if you want. If you just want to borrow it Sweet. for a little while. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, you don't want to spend too much on shipping. Yeah. No, no, no. But it's it's a small it's a small head, and you can just nuzzle it for a few days and send it back. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you yeah, just yeah, yeah. need that. You just need a little head. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Curioso Podcast. You can tweet us at Curioso Podcast. You can email us feedback at thecurioso.com. You can Facebook us, facebook.com backslash thecurioso podcast. Check out our merchandise on zazzle.com backslash curioso podcast. You can also check out our videos, youtube.com backslash curioso podcast. On the left-hand side of thecurioso.com, you can help support the show by clicking on our donate link. And if you're a real Curioso, we need you to go on and give us a great five-star review on iTunes. It will help us get more listeners, and it'll make you feel good about yourself. All right, go ahead and give give me a clap. All right. Cool. I just got the clap from Joel. That was three claps. That was not (laughs) a clap. Yeah. Well, I wanted to give you both the clap and then, you know, one for good luck. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Awesome. Trying Trying to be able to, you know, be at a certain place at a certain time is hard. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, no, trust me. But we'll make it work. I mean, we've got time. It's because he's always flaying human skin. That's right. You know? Yeah, no, that it's meticulous work. <laughs> <laughs> huh?